to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. I want to um, um, give you some, some information here. We've got a couple more weeks here of um, uh, before school is out and Awana is over. And as soon as Awana, Awana is over, the very next week, uh, Wednesday evening, we will have Elevate for our children. So there will be a children's program all summer long. Uh, each each Wednesday evening, and also uh, the youth program as well. Now the youth will be combined, um, 7th through 12th grade, all summer long as well. And um, so we're really looking forward to that. So I just want to make sure the parents know there is something happening. Then we um, come into Vacation Bible School. Um, and then the week after Vacation Bible School, the 28th, I believe it is, of June, from the 28th of June through July and August, there's um, 10 weeks there. And what we're going to do during that 10-week period from June 28th to the last Wednesday in August, we're going to offer about five different electives that uh, you can take here on Wednesday evenings. Um, what we're going to do is offer one on, uh, it's called Foundations, it's Apologetics, it's why we believe what we believe. And uh, we're going to get into a little bit of that this evening, um, but we are we are living in a in a time where um, a lot of Christians don't know why would they believe what they believe. Maybe they were taught at a young age, they learned something maybe in church, but to actually to actually show someone else um, to stand on what they believe, a lot of them don't know. They're not sure exactly where to find it in the Word of God. And I think it's important for us as Christians to know why we believe what we believe so that not only that we have it, but so that we can teach it, so we can give it. God never gave us salvation and never gave us his word just so that we could sit on it and we could have it for ourselves and be content with it. We have it so that we can give it. We have it so we can teach it. And um, and so we're going to offer that. Uh, Ken Ham teaches that course, and it's going to be on a DVD. It'll be a 30-minute DVD, and then it'll be uh, a 30-minute, there'll be a study guide that will follow in a 30-minute uh, discussion time on that. The second thing that we're going to offer is um, the Dave Ramsey course on um, financial, I forget the exact name of it, but Financial Institute of something of that sort. Um, and we're going to offer that as well. And so you can choose to pick that elective as well. And again, that's through a, a DVD uh, series and then some, some study uh, through a book in that as well. And again, the reason why uh, we want to do that, I believe this, a lot of Christians are so financially strapped that they're not, they're not able to give. Many of them convince themselves that they're not even able to give biblically like God commands. And they're just in this vicious cycle of trying to get out of debt, trying to, trying to um, uh, resolve this, this burden. And there are two, top two reasons which cause divorce in a, in a home. And one of those two is financial pressure, finances. And that puts a lot of strain. It puts a lot of strain on a marriage. It puts a lot of strain in a home. And it puts a lot of strain uh, in a church. And so uh, it's something that, that um, uh, just feel that we need to offer that to help some folks. And the uh, um, one that's going to be uh, uh, just facilitating that class uh, went through this and um, was uh, in, in debt and, in, and um, uh, just needed some freedom from that and went through this course and was able to um, uh, get out of debt. And so I've heard a lot of good things about that. So we're going to offer that as well during that 10-week period. Then, then uh, a third thing we're going to do um, uh, goes along with that that one on foundations. Why we believe what we believe, just apologetics, is is a discipleship series. And what we want to do is we want to take a discipleship series and we want to teach disciplers how to be a discipler. So that is going to be one that we're our goal through that is if you want to learn how to disciple one on one, disciple a new convert. Um, we we've got a new curriculum, um, and I've asked. Pastor uh, Yazel to oversee that, and I've given him the goal. I want us to uh, begin before the end of this year to have 15 uh, people one-on-one -on -one discipling in our church. Uh, on a Sunday morning, we have a lot of uh, newer newer Christians, newer people in our church, and we, we need an avenue. Just coming on Sunday is not going to ground them at the level that they need. We, as a church, we need to be helping them get to that next level. The problem is, I believe, a lot of Christians have never gone through something like that. They're not sure how to get someone to the next level because they've never been shown. 
And so that 10-week period, what we're going to do is we're going to take and go through a discipleship program in teaching just lesson by lesson um, uh, so that we can teach that. And then we're going to really, our goal is maybe on Wednesday evenings, uh, even Sunday evenings, try to get folks that um, uh, are new, newly saved, or maybe people that have been saved for a period of time, but they've just never grown, never understood the Word of God, get them here and um, get them one-on-one in a classroom, in an office with someone, and go through a discipleship program with them. And the purpose of that is teach them how to disciple. Um, uh, so they can disciple, and they can disciple disciples to disciple. And so that that's how we want to continue to do that. That's, that's biblical. It's not just reaching them with the gospel. It's once they're reached with the gospel, it's then teaching them to observe all things, teaching them the word of God. And so uh, that's a third area. Uh, I believe um, uh, our ladies, there'll be a ladies Bible study um, specifically designed for ladies during that period as well. And I'll still be doing a... Um, um, uh, teaching, preaching through a book of the Bible as well. Uh, I'll be going through, we'll have already started Exodus. I'll just continue that series during those 10 weeks as well. And um, I don't know if I'm forgetting one. Oh, uh, Growing Kids God's Way. We're going to also offer one for parenting. Um, it's called Growing Kids God's Way. My wife and I went through that several years ago uh, and uh, really learned a lot at how to, how to raise our children according to the principles of God's word. God didn't just give us children and say, figure it out. He didn't just give us children and say, do whatever you want. The reality is they're not ours. God has given them to us. They still belong to him. And we're to raise them on godly principles so that they serve him with all their life. And so this is a great a great tool uh, in raising children, just talking about discipline, talking about um, really what it what it will do it goes against um a worldly philosophy of raising children it gets back to a biblical uh principle centered of raising children so what we're doing is we're looking at something that every single person in our church uh during that 10-week class can grow from uh put us into smaller groups um, but it'll be something that my prayer is, as I've been praying through this and just asking the Lord for some wisdom through this, what it'll do is just help us deepen uh, our understanding of God's Word, deepen our relationship with the Lord. And we're, we're, living, we're living in a time that, um, and I know Paul taught this and believed this um, in probably every generation since um, since Paul's generation of Christianity. They believe that Jesus Christ was coming. But everything that's transpiring in our world, do you realize there's, there's nothing else that has to happen for Jesus Christ to come? I mean, everything is falling into place. And, and we, need to, we need to be ready for that, that event. And we can't sit still as a church and, and just wait for that. That that's what was happening in in First Thessalonians. The the church there they were so excited about the Lord coming back that just said let's just let's just quit everything and wait. And Paul had to write back to them in Second Thessalonians and said, "You got to work. He is coming back, but but you've got to be." You've got to, you've got to be ready like he's coming back at any moment, but you've got to be serving like he's not coming back for another thousand years because there's people that need to be saved. And so I believe it's vitally important for our church to be grounded in these things and to learn and challenge us, challenge us to, to, uh, deepen our relationship with the Lord. There is the, the, the class on apologetics. That is one I believe that Really, every Christian, every Christian ought to take that and, and really understand some of these things because what you'll find, all of those things that we believe in the Bible, they're all things that are under attack today by, by the world. And, and it's important for us. And parents, I believe if you, if you have children in your home, I believe it's important for you so that you can instill these things in your children so that when your children get older, they're not walking away from the faith trying to figure something else out on their own. And the statistics say 80% of children that grow up in Christian homes, five years after they graduate, walk away from the faith. 
there's a there's a book out here that we placed. It's by Ken Ham. It's called Lie, and um, he autographed that copy out there, and and uh, it's available if somebody wants to purchase that. And um, there is there is a fight. There is a battle for your children. And I'm afraid sometimes we as Christians we're not preparing ourselves. We're not preparing them for that fight. We're not taking it serious. And just bringing them to Awana, just putting them for you know a 30-minute study, a couple times a week, it's not enough. It's not enough. That has to be grounded in uh, and helped uh, our children to be able to grow. There is, um, and all of this is is introduction. I promise you, I'm not just babbling here. There is, um, I believe that the the internet. Um, there's a lot of things, pornography, some things that you can find on the internet that I believe is very hurtful to our families and to our, to our homes. But there's something else that is on the internet and on even television that's becoming larger and larger, and I believe it's hurting a lot of churches, and, and that is a lot of false teaching. There is... There is so much false teaching out there right now. Um, I was just dealing with some, some of those things this past week. How people are taking scripture and twisting that scripture and coming up with things. And it's, it's causing a lot of divisions in the church. And they're listening to something. Um, they're listening to things that the Old Testament isn't necessary for the Christian. The only things that we should be teaching and looking at is Paul's epistles and, and beyond. But there's different salvations throughout the Bible. And these are things that are being bombarded into Christians' ears. False teaching is not something new. Paul dealt with false teachers all throughout uh, his epistles. He warned them. Be careful of false teaching. Be careful of, of, of those that come in and, and try to change your, 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 um, uh, uh, um, the gospel and try to make it something other. And he warned of that. And so false teaching is not something new to the Christian, not new to the church. But what has happened, I believe, with social media, with websites, with videos, with YouTube, with television, it's just made it so much more available to people at such an alarming rate. And there's a lot of things out there. There's a fellow that um, is, is teaching some, some things. Um, and he at one time, uh, and this is happening now, he, he at one time was telling people that if your pastor doesn't believe this and doesn't teach this, he's not saved. And you should get out of that church. And people were following him and people were actually leaving and moving to where this guy's church was. Then what he started doing is he producing some material, and then what he would do is he would say, you know what, don't leave your church. What you need to do is take and confront your pastor with this material, and if he doesn't then believe it, then what you need to do is go to your church and you start giving this out to your church. And what he was doing is splitting churches, and that's what's happening. One, one thing you can always tell when somebody is, is teaching something false, there's always an anger, there's always a, um, an edge, there's always, um, uh, they get, they get mean spirited. And, and most, most every time somebody is, is perverting the gospel or, or, or teaching something false, you can see it in their spirit. The gospel is, is, is good news. The gospel is freedom from the bondage of sin. And it's not, it's not putting us back into some kind of bondage. It's not putting us back into something that causes us to be mean-spirited and, and, and ugly. And I, I think that you can always see that when somebody is going astray and teaching something false, it seems like they do it with such anger and they do it with such hatred. And there are people that believe different doctrines. 
There are some even probably in this room that, that uh, if we took every doctrine of the Bible, there are some that we might disagree on. I might have what I believe the Bible shows, and maybe you have something different. Um, but the doctrine of salvation is, is you're saved by grace through faith. That's how you're saved. I'm not saved because I believe what somebody else believes. <laughs> and if I disagree, I'm not saved. And so you be very careful when people start saying that person's not saved or they're, and it comes across as a mean spirit because a person's saved by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, period. And, and, and so be careful of those things. And I, and I want to, I just want to warn you of those things because they're, they're just creeping in so much because it's so available. And my responsibility, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter number four. I, I want to I wanna speak to you these things about responsibility that I have here um, because I want to help you this evening. And why we're going to do the things we're going to do this summer is, is to help our church, to ground our church. So if you hear something false, if you hear something, you then can go back to Scripture and you can say, this is true or this is not true based upon the Word of God. And every Christian needs to have that knowledge of why you believe what you believe. I believe this. God says that our homes need to be peculiar. And that word peculiar is not a word to where what it means is like we're weird, like you know the cat lady that's down the street that nobody wants to go down there near, near their house. And if you have cats, I'm sorry, um, we love you. That word peculiar is, it's different. We're going to face everything the world is going to face. But when we face those things, we are different. So we're going to face, we're going to face financial issues. We're going to face sickness. We're going to face pain. We're, our, our, our families are going to get cancer. We're going to face death. As we face all of those things, we handle those things on the word of God and the principles of the word of God. And we handle them very different than anyone else in the world. And so they see how a Christian behaves. And what that does is it causes them to say, that's peculiar. Because when that's happening in my life, it sends me into turmoil. When that's happening to that Christian's life, it seems like they have peace. And they can't understand why you have peace and joy and contentment when they're dealing with something and the whole world falls apart. And we, we need to be grounded like that so that when, when our homes and our families, we go through trials and we go through burdens, we're grounded in the word of God and we're an example of what Christ desires for us to be. And I think it's important. Um, and so Ephesians chapter number four, we find, we find in, in um, uh, verse, verse number 11, if you go there with me, and the Bible says this, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Now, in this verse, Paul is writing, and remember, Paul is writing, when Paul is writing here, Paul is writing as an apostle. I don't believe, I don't believe that you would find that there's apostles that are alive today, even though there are some that call themselves an apostle. The reason why that would be true is this, an apostle spent time with Jesus Christ, that's the difference between a, an apostle and a disciple. You and I should be a disciple. You and I should be a follower of Jesus Christ. An apostle spent, spent time with Christ himself. His apostles spent time with him. You say, well, then why was Paul an apostle? The Bible tells us uh, that Paul, once Paul was converted, Paul went into the desert area and Paul spent three years with Christ and, and he was taught. Now, I don't understand that. Um, uh, uh, I just know that's what the Bible teaches us and I believe that. And so he was taught by Christ. Uh, he was taught there uh, by the Holy Spirit of God for that three-year period there. And so Paul learned what he was taught directly from the Lord, just like the apostles did. I don't believe that anybody today is, is, is spending personal time with Jesus Christ. He, they're not hearing audible voices and they're not, they're not being told something. We need to be very careful of that because that's cults 
are started from that. Somebody says, an angel said this to me, or uh, I was told this in a vision, I was told this in a dream. I don't believe those things can happen. The reason why is we have everything that we as Christians need right here in the Word of God. There's no more revelation to be told. There's nothing new. There's no new doctrine that, that somebody is going to audibly hear from heaven and add to this book. We're told to, to a warning against anyone that would add anything to this book. And so we need to be very careful with that when somebody then begins to say, I have a new revelation. I have something new from the Lord. When somebody says, I have something new that the Lord has just given me, beware of that. Because everything the Lord has given now is in his word. And we believe his word is complete. There's no more parts of the Bible that are just stray out there that we haven't found, but some angel came and wrote it on a tablet. It's not true. As far as prophets are concerned, or prophecies or prophets, there's no more prophesying that's going to be said outside of what is in the Word of God. And so there's no, again, there's no new revelation that's going to be told, but there are pastors and there are teachers still in the local New Testament church today that are there. Now, a pastor and a teacher is not there to be the dictator over the church. It's not the purpose of the pastor. The word overseer, the word bishop there, is not the same thing as my way or the highway. You need to be very careful with someone that would be that way. The overseer of the church, the Bible also refers to them as a shepherd, someone that loves their flock, someone that loves their sheep. In the Bible, and we're going to see if we get to that this evening in, in enough time, we're going to see where the shepherd, there's strong warning against the shepherd if the shepherd doesn't deal correctly with the sheep. And so here we find, we find in Ephesians chapter number four that Paul is now giving us some instruction here and he says that, that there's gifts. There's some that have been given some responsibility here in the local church. And we find in verse number 12 what the, what those responsibilities are. He says in verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the working, or the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I want to break down that verse and we're going to, get into some other verses here this evening as well. And so we find that the purpose of the pastor, we find that the purpose of the teacher is there, number one, the Bible says in this verse, is for the perfecting of the saints. He's there so that through the teaching ministry, through the, the, the ministry of, of pastoring, that he is, he, is, he is helping the saints that are in the church to become what Christ desires for them to become. None of us have ever arrived. There's still growth. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. The, the, the reality is this. Every single person, as long as they're here on this earth, there's a growing process that should always be taking place. You might call it a sanctification. The moment that we're saved, we're justified. And you cannot take that away. We're justified. We're redeemed. And, and it's just as if I had never sinned. When God sees me, he sees me in Christ. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see my sin. He's forgiven me, and I have a home in heaven. But justification is a process that takes place through a Christian's life. And a Christian must continue to grow. Church ought to be a place when the believers come together, the saints come together, those that are followers of Christ, they come together. It should be a place that they are being constantly challenged and helped to become what God desires for them to become. There's lots of churches in, in the world today that that's not the necessarily the reason why they meet. There's reasons why they meet, and, and if we're not careful, the church can become about us. The church can become about uh, in, all inward focused, where, where what we do, in, in, in reality, if, it's, if we're not careful, it becomes more of a social club. It becomes more of, a, uh, uh, of, of just networking than it does uh, a place where the believer comes to grow so that in their growth, they then can take and give the gospel of Jesus Christ out. The church is never there so that we become more inward focused. 
The purpose of the church, the, the, pre, the pastor, the teachers are there. He must preach the word of God. The, the most important thing that's done is the, is, is the teaching and the preaching ministry of the word of God. And so Christians come to the house of God and they learn the word of God so they can be better equipped to worship and serve God. And so that is the purpose of the pastor. Now, a lot of people have a lot of expectations for a pastor. But I'm telling you, the number one expectation ought to be is that the pastor preaches the whole counsel of the word of God. I had someone just recently, they, um, they are having surgery and they said, we, we're having surgery. I said, good, I'm going to send Pastor Oscar to come pray with you. Where's Pastor Oscar? They said, oh. I said, what, 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 what's wrong with Pastor Oscar? I said, he, he might even bring you a, a taco or something. He'll be a good. And they said, no, we, 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 we want Pastor Oscar to come. But we th- just thought you were going to be there as well. And I said, well, you want me there at 530 in the morning. That's early, you know. I didn't say that. There's a lot of expectations that people have. The main purpose, my my responsibility, is to be ready to constantly be preaching the word of God so that the people of God, the saints of God, are challenged continually with the word of God. That's the purpose. Every time we come to church, you ought to be challenged. You ought to grow. A perfecting must take place. And so we, we find, we find there's a perfecting of the saints. The, a pastor, um, he, he must preach truth. The only truth there is, is the word of God. Be careful of someone that preaches preferences. I have, I have, I personally have some some preferences, some standards for my life, my home, that some in this room would not have. You know what I say? That's okay. There are some things that we do in our home that they're not necessarily um, doctrinal issues, they're not necessarily biblical principles per se, but they are, they are preferences that, that I have in my home. And I have to be very careful that I don't put aside the word of God and start teaching to you a personal preference that I have because that isn't teaching you truth. Truth is always the word of God. Amen. Give you an illustration. I have a, um, a pastor friend that I am very close with. He's older and um, I look up to him. And when he was younger in his ministry, he had a certain set of, of preferences and, and things, and he preached those preferences as, as doctrine. The problem is, he's now a much older pastor, all the way down here in life, and he's changed on his preferences. He doesn't teach and doesn't believe some of the things that he was very dogmatic about when he was younger. And what that does is that causes confusion in people's lives. It causes confusion in, in younger people's lives that saw that and heard that, and now, now um, uh, something else is being taught. It's very difficult now to say, no, 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 I'm sorry, I was wrong on that, but this is really truth. It causes someone to begin to doubt what is truth and what's not. And so what the pastor, in order to perfecting of the saints, the pastor must preach the truth, and the word of God must be the final authority of truth. Be careful what you listen to when someone says, now let me tell you what I think, or let me tell you what I feel. Be very careful of that. Stick with, if you're going to listen, if you're going to read, if you're going to let someone influence you um, in spiritual things, make sure they're sticking to the word of God. Because it becomes very dangerous when someone starts to veer off from the word of God and begins to give you something or adding something. 
because that could change. A lot of times when somebody's younger and they, they're, their children are all younger, they have one set of, of, of things and, and, and they believe it. But as their children get a little bit older and, and they start to see things a little bit different, the, 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 the truth is, as a, as a dad, as a parent, I see things different now than when I did when my son was first born. I, it, it's just the way it is. You know what I think that is? I think it's maturing. You, you mature in some areas. And so for, for a pastor, for a teacher to, 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 uh, need to be very careful in what they're teaching because then it doesn't become perfecting the saints. You can begin to divide the saints. The only way the saints can be perfected is when a pastor or a teacher preaches truth based upon the word of God because truth from the word of God, it never changes. It doesn't matter if you were 20, 40, or 60, it never changes when you teach and preach truth from the word of God. And so a pastor must always preach truth and truth always is the word of God. A, a pastor, he can't get involved in, in things that are, 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 Outside of the gospel ministry, I believe that a pastor needs to be centered. His ministry, his teaching has to be centered upon the word of God and the gospel ministry, the word of God, and not things that have nothing to do. I, I, I heard um, uh, uh, a friend of mine took a, took a, uh, became a pastor of a church in Illinois and a pastor that was previous before him. It became more uh, soapbox issues and not the gospel, not, not, the, not the Bible. And I just spoke to him not long ago and he said, it's almost like I'm taking a group of Christians that have been saved a long time and I'm having to go to back to, to Christianity 101 and start all the way back from the beginning. Be careful of somebody that says, reads a verse and then closes the Bible and never goes back to the Bible. You got to be careful of those things. A pastor he must stay centered and focused on the Word of God. And um, uh, a pastor must call sin, sin. Now, in order for the perfecting of the saints, I don't believe that, that, that the church ought to continue to come in and get beat up every time they come in. But you know what part of perfecting is? Is being, being uh, at times, your feathers are getting ruffled and, and, and the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you of sin. We need to expect, church, that when we come into the house of God, that there are times, and there ought to be times that are often, where the Holy Spirit of God agree, is agreeing with the word of God that's being preached and is convicting us of something that's happening in our life, an area that we need to grow in, because none of us are perfect yet. None of us have arrived in our spiritual life. And so there's always something that we ought to be growing in. And we need to be careful, you know, when, when, when we preach Romans chapter 1, There'll be a lot of people that say, Pastor, you need to preach against this sin. You know what? Everyone wants the preacher to preach against sin, but not their sin. You can go to Romans chapter 1, and, 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 and I can show you in the Bible where, where uh, homosexuality is a sin. And, and boy, you can get a lot of, lot of Christians, amen, and amen, preacher, that's good preaching. But there's a whole lot more sin listed there as well. So we'll amen, hey, that's good preaching. It's not what I need. That's good preaching. And then we go out in the live and we gossip. And we backbite. And, 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 and those are sins as well. And you know, the word of God, the pastor, in, in order to, to do the, the perfecting of the saints, there ought to be uh, 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 um, times where the preaching convicts us and it changes us. We should constantly be changing as Christians, not getting stale. Do you ever, do you ever meet a stuffy person? Anybody ever meet a stuffy? Like you just say to yourself, that person is just stuffy. I mean, you might use a different word, but just like, what's wrong with them? There's no life. The preaching ought to give life to the believer. 
because it's constantly growing. My wife, our, our youngest uh, daughter is graduating from preschool or from, from kindergarten tomorrow. And so she found a whole bunch of pictures and, and, and she's like crying over these pictures. Oh, look at her. Look at her when she was six months old. And, and I'm like, I don't get it. Okay. She's, look at her. I miss that little girl. To where, how many of you guys, any of you guys, you, you, your wife talks about haircuts with you? Like, we're going we're gonna to give her this haircut, and sometimes it's so that one of the girls look older, and sometimes it's so they keep them younger, you know? And I, I don't know. I just say, okay. Don't you have an opinion? I say, I do. Whatever you think is my opinion. I, I think that's what we ought to do. So we're going through all of that at home right now because we got a little girl that's graduating from kindergarten. We're going back and looking at all these pictures, and, and, and this is what we see. We see a little girl that's growing up. She, when she first got into Awana, um, two, almost two years ago now when we came here, she had a book. The problem is she couldn't read that book. So you know what that meant? I had to read the book. She would bring the book to me, and she would say, Dad, what's the book say? And then we thought it was so cute, she would take that little book and pretend she was reading. Aww. She brought the book to me today, and she read the book. And she told me what the book said. And she's reading the book, and guess what she's doing? She's reading the book. She knows the words, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, my little girl is growing up. Well, she should be. She's graduating kindergarten tomorrow. If she can't read, we got a problem. So we as Christians, listen, what we as Christians, the perfecting that should take place is there should be a continual growing in the life of the Christian. And the Word of God ought to be constantly challenging you to grow. If there's sin in the life, the Christian should not be battling the same sin over and over constantly in dealing with it and content with that sin in their life. There should be a stirring up that comes from the gospel. When the gospel's preached, there should be a, a, a time where we're encouraged. It's not just, it's not just um, uh, 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 preaching always against sin. There's also times where the, 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 the messages should encourage the believer and edify the believer. And so we find here the, the job, the perfecting of the saints. In the same verse, we'll find this for the, for the work of the ministry. The, the pastor should be constantly, should be constantly, uh, helping the, the church to do the work of the ministry. The, the, the church should not be just staff run. I believe this. The pastors ought to be leading. But the church shouldn't come to the church and watch the people that get paid to do everything. There's a, there's a, there's a, a work, the, the work of the ministry, and part of, now there are part of responsibilities that the pastor must have. There are an overseeing that the pastor must do. The, 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 the vision and those types of things obviously have to come from, from the pastor, but then the pastor should be enabling people in the church to do the work of the Lord. We should be constantly looking for ways to be serving the Lord through local church. Church is not a spectator sport where you come in and you watch everything that goes on and then you, then you, then you leave. You know, sometimes I say to people that, that are constantly critical about things that are going on, I say, you need to get something to do. And getting, having the gift of critiquing is not a biblical gift. What that means is you're not busy. You have too much time on your hands. All you're doing is looking around and seeing what everything, uh, things aren't being done. And I like to say to someone, they, they come to me and they say, you know, we really need this preacher. And I say, thank you for signing up. I didn't say that. I'm just telling you it needs to be done. Listen, the, the, the job should be, the job of the pastor, the teacher, through the preaching of God's word, it should be helping people to begin to get involved in the work of the Lord. That is what every Christian ought to be doing, is, is deepening their commitment to the Lord, doing something for the Lord. 
and using the gifts. God has gifted and talented every believer with something, and that person then should be using that to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. And so we find that the, for, the, for the work of the ministry, we find the same verse for the edifying of the body of Christ. A pastor must build up and not always just tear down. Pastors should be encouraging his people. I have a pastor friend that I talked to and spent a long time yesterday on the phone with about an hour and a half, and he'll put me, schedule me, and we'll talk, and every month and a half or so, we'll talk for an hour or so, and pretty much what he'll, he'll say is whatever question you want to ask, just I want you to ask. And he's a, he's a mentor, he's somebody that I look to, and I was, was talking to him this past week, and I don't know how we got off onto to um, uh, this subject. It wasn't anything that necessarily I had asked him, but he was just telling me some things and, and, and helping me in some areas. And he said this, he said, I talk to a lot of pastors and they'll say this, boy, people in our church, they're so, they're so critical. They're so, it seems like their spirit is, is, is negative and they, there's fighting and bickering. And he says, the first thing I say to the pastor is check your preaching. He said, if your preaching is constantly critical, if your preaching is constantly negative, it's probably, it's probably now affecting the people. Well, that was pretty good advice, pretty good counsel. The pastor should be encouraging the people to do the work of the Lord, should be edifying the body of Christ. Listen, I don't know about you, but we get beat up every day when we're out in the world. Where there's a constant onslaught against, against, the, against the, 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 the things of God, against the house of God, against families of, uh, that, that want to raise their families in a, in a, in a godly uh, uh, home. And it's a constant fight against our, our families. We ought to come here to the house of God, and there ought to be encouragement. I loved, I loved Fellowship Sunday when the place was just packed out and, and I, I loved even more the how many people stayed and, 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 and sat and talked and, and, and stayed the afternoon and fellowshiped. I think it's needed. I think as the, the world gets more and more wicked and as, as the, the, the day of the Lord is approaching more and more, Christians need to fellowship and mean to be encouraged more and more. I think we ought to be searching for people that we can encourage. I think we ought to be investing ourselves in people. I think that we ought to come to the house of God and there ought to be people on our radar that we go to with the purpose of encouraging and edifying and lifting them up and keeping them accountable and, 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 and helping them in their walk with the Lord. Those things are necessary. And so the edifying of, of the body of Christ. We Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number three, if you would, please. Jeremiah, chapter number three. You with me this evening? Be awake? If you're awake, say amen. amen. If you're not, say oh me. All right, good. I didn't hear too many oh me's. Okay. Jeremiah, chapter number three. And look with me in verse number 15, if you would, please. In, in, in Jeremiah 3.15, the Bible says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And we have here the, the shepherd, the pastor, and this, this requires a great amount of studying in prayer. I learned this. There are certain days that I have on my calendar that um, Kim, our secretary of the church, has, my wife has, and um, there are certain days, I, I used to come into my office here to, to try to study and try to pray. You know what I found? It's impossible. It's impossible. I get all the time, if I'm in my office, I know you're busy, Pastor, but can I see you for just a minute? And how do you say no when somebody has a need? I have found that it's important for me to take time alone where I'm not in my office, where it's continually being interrupted, to study and to pray. It's, it's necessary. Or I wouldn't get studying done. We have a school here, and, and, and uh, I can't tell you how many times 
just at my office, people are running through the hall there. You can't, you can't, you can't study. You can't get into that deep, that deep thinking, that deep study, that deep prayer if there's continual interruptions. And so for, for me, I realize this. My greatest responsibility to the church is to be sure that I am spending time in God's word, that I'm spending time in prayer, uninterrupted, to where I can dig in and I can spend the time with the Lord and spend time in studying and, and not allow, put myself in a place where my mind is constantly being pulled in different directions because then when you start back to study again, you got to start all over. And here, here, he said, I'm giving you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That knowledge and that understanding is not just something that I make up. That knowledge and understanding comes from spending time with the Lord. And so we find there that, that the pastor must, he has, he must have the heart of God. And the only way that I can feed the flock what God wants us to have is for me to spend time with God. And the pastor is to, to feed, to feed you God's heart, not his own. We need to be careful. Be careful when the pastor or a teacher, and I say, I'm, I'm saying these things because I'm trying to warn our church I get, I get you for 30, 40 minutes for, for this group a couple times a week, but the internet can get you for hours. I talked to, talked to one, one person and she said, my husband spends time listening to this, this teacher on the internet till two, three o'clock in the morning. It's impossible for me to compete with that. Because you can just go back and hit and listen to video and watch video and, and you're just getting your mind filled with that. And, and we need to be careful that whatever you're allowing a pastor or a teacher, you need to be very careful that what they're giving you is God's heart, not their heart. There should not be this undying loyalty to a man, it should be the preaching of God's word causes you to be loyal to the word of God and God. Because man can fail you and man may fail you, but God will never. Be careful that when somebody is teaching you loyalty to them in a total agreement with them, that becomes dangerous. Because then once they've got you there, they can teach you all kinds of false things and you'll never question it. You know what I say? When somebody opens the word of God and tells you something, you ought to go to the word of God that can make sure it's true. We're not a religion where you just come to the place and the, and, 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 and the pastor tells you what you need to know and you just go blindly out till, till you come in next time and all right, tell me what I need to know. That's why you have the word of God in your lap. It's not just for me to tell you what the Bible says. It's for you as we believe in the priesthood of the believer. We believe this. You as a Christian, you go to the word of God. You have a relationship with God. You can go to the prayer closet. You can get into a study in the word of God. And you can hear from God. It's one of the wonders of our Baptist doctrine is the priesthood of the believer. We don't have to go to a priest anymore. We don't have to go to the man of God anymore to confess our sins, to hear from the word of God. We don't get up here and me take a, a different language and read from a different language and then tell you what you need to know. We have the word of God. It's important for us as Christians to know what it says. Be careful. Be careful of someone that begins to feed you their heart and draws you into their heart. The pastor is to feed you God's heart and cause you to be closer to him. And there's a danger, there's a danger, go with me to, to Jeremiah chapter 10. There's a danger when a pastor fails. Jeremiah chapter number 10. He says in verse number 21 of Jeremiah 10, for the pastors become brutish and have not sought the Lord, therefore they shall not prosper and all of their flocks shall be scattered. 
Behold, the noise of the brood has come and great commotion out of the north country to make the cities of Judah desolate and a den of dragons. But in verse number 21, we find the pastors become brutish, self-serving. He says, beware of that. That is this, be careful of a man when he's constantly in the flesh and not in the spirit. In Christian, you ought to be able to discern the difference between somebody in the flesh and somebody in the spirit. You know, there in my position as pastor, there are certain things I don't get the privilege of doing. There's a lot of mistakes. I don't get the privilege of making some mistakes. I need to be careful to control my temper. I need to be careful to what I say, how I say things. I don't get the, I don't get the, a do-over for you golfers. I don't get them all again. <laughs> let me, I, let me redo that because when, when a pastor or a teacher reacts in the flesh, it hurts. It wounds, it offends, it divides, it scatters the flock. In a pastor, he can't operate in the flesh. He's got to continue to operate in the spirit. A pastor that operates in the flesh, they don't prosper, the Bible says here. They scatter and the sheep have no shepherd. There, there are some that you know, may have the attitude, I don't really care what people say. I'm going to tell them what I think. Be careful of a pastor. Be careful of a teacher that has that kind of spirit. The, the truth is when I get into the pulpit, when I teach, when I get one-on-one -on -one with people, I'm very careful what I say because I do care about what you think. Because I know this, a pastor has the, the a great responsibility where he could scatter the flock, he could hurt, he could wound people. There's people in our church, I'm sure, they've been hurt by a pastor. And it hurts and it wounds. And you have to, a pastor needs to be very careful not to operate in the flesh. Does that mean that a pastor doesn't have Feelings? Oh, I can tell you that's not true. <laughs> it means this, though. A pastor's responsibility is to operate in the Spirit and not let his flesh control him. And so we find here in, in Genesis or, or Jeremiah chapter number 10, verse number 21, they are become brutish. Their, 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 their spirit, their actions, their desires... And um, my responsibility as a pastor, those that you might listen to, they should seek the mind of God and teach that mind so that those that are listening are closer to the Lord. Pastors have the ability, unfortunately, to ruin, ruin relationships and lives. And pastors can cause unnecessary pain to people. A family can be destroyed or a, a city. I, I turned on the news not long ago and I, I don't, don't normally watch local, lo, the local news, but I just happened to, to watch, uh, the local news a couple weeks back. And on the news, I saw that there were two pastors from Toledo that were arrested for sex trafficking. How many of you saw that? And, um, I just thought to myself, as soon as I saw that, here we go. That position of pastor, it should be a place in the community that there's trust. It should be a place in the community where, where someone can go to that needs help. And that type of action just destroys that. And it hinders the work of the Lord. The pastor can't function in the flesh. A pastor doesn't get that opportunity, that luxury. He must function in the spirit and make decisions in the spirit because they can affect an entire city. 
And when a pastor, he, he, he chooses to, to walk in his own flesh and not in the spirit, many people can be hurt and the cause of Christ can be wounded in a city. And it's be, you gotta be careful. And then we find, we find, look with me in Jeremiah chapter number 23, and I'll be done here this evening. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23 in verse number one. Jeremiah writes this, woe, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away. And have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I drive them away and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. But look back in verse number one. He says, woe unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. He says, this, therefore, thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and have driven them away, not visited them. The responsibility, the warning to the pastor that I find here is this. The warning is to feed the sheep of God. They're not my sheep. The reality is this, a pastor is an under-shepherd. Any person that begins to teach and, and preach like they own you, be careful. My burden as a pastor is to teach you so that you become closer to God. So that your families are strong, so your marriages are godly, so that you're, you truly have love for your spouse and, and, and the husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church. That's the responsibility of the pastor. That's the goal of my heart. Listen, I can't, I, I can't tell you enough, church. I want so badly that your children serve God. Have a passion for God. Love the Lord. Take the faith that you've taught them and, and, and build on that and go and do great things for God. I, like spending some time with Derek Hummel since he's been in town here and he just has encouraged me. Here's some of that's grown up and in the church and, and now wants to, wants to take the gospel to anywhere in the world that God wants to send him. And that's, that's what our desire ought to be is, is raising up a generation and, and, and raising godly homes. And, and that requires a pastor that is faithful to the word of God, that teaches the word of God, that doesn't get off on preferences and get off on things that, that, that mean nothing in light of eternity, but stays focused on biblical things and stays focused on the word of God and, and keeps the attention upon the truth of God and helps and encourages and preaches against sin and encourages the believer for what reason so that that believer that saint becomes closer to God that perfecting takes place so that when you can evaluate your life you constantly see a growing where you're more like Christ every day and that's the goal it isn't to get you to serve so that we can be the big church it's to get you to serve so that you are being what God wants you to be. We have, we have our outreach ministries, and I praise the Lord. We had, a, we had a good amount of people involved this past Saturday. And church, a lot of, a lot of churches, they'll do outreach, and the purpose of their outreach if they were honest, would be in reach, getting people in the pew, church growth. I know that because I, I thought that way at, at one time. And you can almost disguise it and not be honest with yourself, but the reality is a lot of times we do things so that we grow. 
And we got the reward then. Someone said to me not long ago, Pastor, why are we going all the way downtown to serve? And my one reason was because there's a great need. And my second reason was because they can't do anything for us in return. Why, why did we go to a Resurrection Baptist Church and help a Resurrection Baptist Church? Because Resurrection Baptist Church is going to reach a community that you and I aren't going to be able to reach. In our church, going down and helping that church, encourage that church to keep moving forward. Why are we going down and helping the church? It's called that neighborhood church. Why are we helping that church right now? Because that church is going to reach a community and reach a, a culture. The truth is, you and I, we're not going to reach. We, <laughs> we did this cheeseburger handout. Uh, Pastor Cox was on the, is on the senior trip. And so what he normally do, we had Pastor Oscar go and do. And so I took, took, um, and led this cheeseburger handout. So we, we met at, we met at McDonald's up on airport and we handed out 150 cheeseburgers to our team of people and, and, um, started going around and, and, and I had a busy day on Saturday and, um, I said to Michelle, let, let, let's just go like right around our church area and let's find some parks and, you know, help some people. And it wasn't because I didn't want to go downtown. I, I, we, I was on a tight schedule. And she laughed. She said, no one in Monclova is going to take a cheeseburger from you. Are you kidding me? I said, yeah, they will. I mean, I got a face. Like, look at this face. You feel sorry for me. Take his burger. Well, guess what? My wife was right. It's like, who is that weird guy walking around the park trying to give people cheeseburgers? What is wrong with that guy? You could almost seem like, what is, what's wrong with you? No we, no, we don't want your cheeseburger. Please go away. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. You're a freak. Get away from us. I'll feed my kid. Yeah, thank you. You got candy you want to give him too? So I learned my lesson. So I, you know what I did? I went toward downtown. Found some people. Got some gospel tracks. Got a bag of burgers. And I'm walking around. And I said, hey, um, uh, can, I, can I give you a cheeseburger? Yeah. You got two? I said, you want my cheeseburgers? They're like, yes. Hey, you, you, you want my cheeseburgers? Yeah, we take, we'll, can I have the whole bag, one kid said? I said, we well, got to hear about Jesus. Okay. And here they are. I'm giving them tracks, and I'm giving them burger, and I'm sitting there talking about Jesus, and, and adults come, and I say, you want a burger? Yeah. Here's your burger. Can I give you a track about the Lord? Yeah. Can I talk to you about the Lord? And, and, and I was able to lead some of the Lord by giving them a cheeseburger and standing and talking with them. I tried to do it right here in Monclova, and it's like I had leprosy. Can I give you leprosy today? No, you cannot even come near us. We have got to realize the purpose why we are here, why every single one of you are here, your purpose in life is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then to take those converts and teach them to observe all things. I've been reading through Genesis and I found there was a time the Bible says this, it repented the Lord that he made man. It's pretty sad, isn't it? And the reason why the Bible said violence, in those couple chapters you would find that word violence a few times, violence had filled the earth. That's where we're at now. You see, you see kids that just walk up to a total stranger and punch him, just, it's a punch out game. Who can you hurt? Kids bullying kids and picking on kids just because it's fun. Beating up people just because it's fun. Murdering people, taking people's lives just because it's fun. Violence has filled the earth. 
leading up to that, you know what you find? As soon as man sinned, violence came. Murdering a brother. Then there was a man, the Bible says Nimrod, a great man. He had a great name for himself. You know what Nimrod said? Nimrod said, let us make a tower so we could reach the heavens and make a name for ourselves." And God looked at that and he, he said, we got to go down there and we got to confuse their tongues and fix this problem because if we don't, man's going to be out of control. God's not looking for churches to make a name for themselves and to build a tower and build a kingdom. Our purpose as Christians is to be perfected, to be encouraged to do the work of the ministry, to be edified so that we can go out and be a lighthouse and then teach people to be disciples of Christ so that the kingdom of heaven is built, not a kingdom here on earth. Our work as a church is to go out into the highways, in the hedges, and compel them to come in. And a lot of people misuse that verse. They think that's a church-building verse. No, it's a heaven-building verse. Not compel them to come here. Compel them to be saved. We've got to go to them. We've got to serve people, not so that we get something in return, but so that they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what every single one of us ought to be like. And the more perfecting that comes, the more we're challenged, the more that we become like Christ, the more that we 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 are are, are being constantly tuned and in, in, in getting away from sin and, and becoming more like Christ. You know what? You will become a soul winner. Because God's loved the world so much, the Bible says, that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so the closer we get to Christ, the more we become like Christ, the more we have a passion and a care for a lost and dying world.